All right, if you've got your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 8 this morning. Acts chapter 8, and let's stand as we open the Word of God together. I'm going to read the first few verses in this text, and we'll look at it all within that context. Uh, The story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Verse 26 says, An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to worship in Jerusalem, was returning and sitting in his chariot. He was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake the chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah said, do you understand what you're reading? Father, we thank you for this encounter and that it's recorded in your word that we might not only be inspired by it, but that we might learn how we can put it into practice, that we can be like Philip, running to obey your will, to engage men and women and boys and girls in our world today with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray that you would speak to us by your spirit, convict us, move us, empower us to do your will. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And you can be seated. I want to put a couple of uh, slides from my childhood up here on the screen, see if you remember some of these folks. Anybody remember those guys right there? Chips. Uh, Now, when I was a kid... We would argue over who was going to be Punch and who was going to be John as we got on our bicycles and we rode around and we pretended to be motorcycle cops. That was, that was a lot of fun. Chips. Uh, one thing the Sarge would always do at the beginning of the show is he would give a little briefing and after he gave his briefing, he would say, now get out there. Get out there. Now there was another show that came on that I couldn't watch in the earlier years. It seems very mild and tame today considered to some of the shows that are on, but, but then it seemed a little bit more adult-oriented. But anybody remember this one? All right, I heard a few people say it. Hill Street Blues. Anybody watch Hill Street Blues? Um, that, one, that one was, uh, you know, that one came on after my bedtime, but uh, I saw the reruns later on in the in the uh, 90s, I guess. Hill Street Blues. Do anybody remember what the sergeant is saying right here in this picture? That's it. That's it. Hey, let's be careful out there. Let's be careful out there. Now, Now, these shows and many other police shows like this would always start off with some kind of briefing explaining what they were looking for, what they were to be about. And they would uh, maybe look at a few profiles and and, uh, receive some instructions. But the point of Chips and Hill Street Blues and all of these other shows that gain our attention was this. The work was not in the briefing. It was out there. It was now get out there, do your work, and let's be careful out there. So I want to title the message this morning, Get Out There. 
Let's get out there. See, this is a wonderful place of worship. It's more than a briefing because we're to gather together corporately and bring glory to God. I believe that that's important in our lives privately, but I believe it's biblically mandated for us to do that corporately. And so we're here to worship. But when the pastor brings the message, that is simply a briefing. Uh, Yes, the Spirit of God is taking the Word of God and communicating it to our hearts, but the point is, at the end of the message, we've got to get out there. And we've got to live it out. And we've got to be on mission, prayerful and careful. We've got to get out there. The mission is out there. The people that we've called to reach and impact are out there. Trinity exists to get out there. Gideon's International exists to get out there and take the message of God's salvation through Christ to the world. As a matter of fact, Acts is framed in that spirit. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, we see kind of a summary of the Great Commission when Jesus is explaining that he is about to ascend, but he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Isn't that interesting? What Acts says Holy Spirit power is all about is making us a witness. And you'll be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world. And Philip, interestingly here, is being used to kind of transition that witness after it had been in Jerusalem and Judea, He was used of God to get it to Samaria, the people who weren't like them, and then ultimately to the uttermost parts of the world. The story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch is one of my favorite episodes in Acts because it's all about somebody who decided to get out there. Now, there's three reminders that go further than just, hey, be careful out there. Three reminders in this text about the importance of explaining, expecting, and establishing. Or expecting and explaining and establishing the gospel of Christ, the message that we've come to deliver. And so let's just kind of look at those in order as we see them in the text. What are we to be about? If if we're getting a briefing this morning, and, and I'm to say, let's get out there, let's be careful out there, what are we to be about while we're out there? First of all, We need to expect, we need to always see ourselves on mission for God. Expect, always see yourself, always be on mission, living a life with expectancy, seeing where God is at work and joining him in that work. Now, we first find Philip in Acts chapter 6. And in Acts chapter 6, verses 3 through 5, we see the importance of networking ministry through the the leadership in the church, he says, Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit, wisdom, whom we may appoint over this ministry. And it was a ministry of caregiving, to network that caregiving through the work of the church. And we'll give ourselves continually to prayer in the ministry of the Word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and of the Holy Spirit. And the, the second name that we see mentioned here is Philip. These are spirit-filled men, full of faith, full of wisdom of the Holy Spirit, ready to be used of God to expand, to network the ministry of the church because they understood something in Acts chapter 6, and that is this, the, the apostles couldn't do it all. They had to give themselves to prayer to the Word of God, but they had to network ministry through the body of Christ. And we see that probably as the inceptional deacons from the very beginning, but 
regardless, it gives us a principle, a pattern that they would have to network ministry. It would take us all to do the work that God has called us to accomplish. They had to network ministry. And by the time you come to Acts chapter 8, Stephen has been martyred for preaching the gospel, for sharing with great clarity but with great conviction what Christ had done. And he was stoned to death. And after he had been martyred, the church, the believers there in Jerusalem, began to become scattered. And in this scattering, Philip is in a city of the Samaritans, and he pioneers a revival effort among the Samaritans, people that had been kind of cast aside, rejected by many of the Jewish leaders in that day, much like the woman at the well that Jesus spoke to in John chapter 4. And Philip, by the time you come to verse 26, is still being sensitive and obedient. He has been used of God to start this revival among the Samaritans. The, the apostles come in as reinforcement, and then Stephen's moving to wherever the Holy Spirit would lead him next. And so in Acts chapter 8 and verse 26, as we read just a moment ago, the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, said, Arise, go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So Philip is still being sensitive and obedient to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And that's a key. If we're going to live with expectancy and always see ourselves on mission, we need to be able to be sensitive and obedient to the inner promptings of the Spirit at work in our life, as well as the angelic messages that God says, this is what I want you to be about. And it's always about fulfilling that great commission being his witnesses to the uttermost parts of the world. Now, in verse 27, he encounters this eunuch from Ethiopia, this representative of the queen, this eunuch of great authority under Candace, it says, who had charge over all of her treasury. He's a very prominent representation of royalty, that had been into Jerusalem perhaps to worship. Uh, we know to worship, but we don't know what kind of religious experience he had encountered up until this point. Here's what's interesting about Philip. He was willing to be obedient and witness to the Samaritans, the outcasts, those who were down and out, and had not received the gospel. But he was also willing to go and speak to royalty. And God strategic, strategically places all of us in different situations, different opportunities, and he calls and asks us to be a witness wherever he places us, to be a respecter of no man, to not discriminate against somebody because they are wealthy or because they are impoverished, because they're accepted, because they're rejected. They need to know the love of Christ. And here's the cool thing in verse 28. Kent, I think this is great. Some Gideon had given him a scroll of Isaiah. What's he, do, what's he doing as he rides along? He's reading from the scroll of Isaiah. And by the way, um, the, the printing press had not been invented to some 1,500 years later. And so when someone actually had a copy of an entire scroll of a book or something like that, uh, that was a prized possession. Uh, we should give praise and thanks to God that we can all have a copy of the Bible and we should take every opportunity we can to get a copy of the Bible into somebody else's hand even if it's emailing them a link to where they can get an app. <laughs> Let's get the Word of God in the folks' hands. He's reading from the scroll of Isaiah. 
And Philip is sensitive and he's eager. He, verses 29 and 30, he, he runs with this sense of expectancy because the Lord had told him to overtake the chariot. And so Philip ran to him. He heard him reading from the prophet Isaiah. And he begins to explain a few things. Before we get to explanation, I want to make a few more statements about expectation. Do we live with expectation? I know this is a crazy, busy world in which we live in, but do we live with expectation? We say, I believe God wants to use me as a witness today to share Christ with somebody else. And so I've got my antenna up. I'm extending the radar, so to speak, and I'm looking for that person to whom I can be a witness to. Do we live with that kind of expectancy? Are we living with sensitivity and obedience to the Holy Spirit so that when God says you need to witness to that classmate, you need to witness to that person that's sitting in the restaurant, you need to witness to that person you ran into at the gas station, are we constantly looking out for those opportunities because they are all around us? Are we living our lives on mission with that kind of expectancy? Or instead, when the Holy Spirit is prompting us to be a witness, are we kind of like that, that shy but infatuated teen? We, we were talking about uh, dating and courtship and that kind of thing in a college class this morning. And, and, and sometimes there's that guy who was kind of like me in, in high school, a little shy but infatuated. You're kind of like, well, maybe I need to talk to that girl. But I'll tell you what, Lord, if she turns around and looks this way three times, then I'll speak to her. And then she turns around and looks the third time. Well, if, if it's the fourth time, then I'll, then I'll go. And, and, you know, if... Do we do that with the gospel? Do we say, you know what, Lord, if you want me to share Christ, then just bring them over. Now, sometimes God will just do that. He'll bring them right, and he'll just put them right in our face to where we know that this is a divine appointment, and, and we begin to, to stutter through and, and, and try to do our best to share the gospel. But sometimes we have to run down the chariot. Listen, this generation of young people, and I, and I guess I'm speaking about everyone who's younger than me, <laughs> this generation of young people are busier than any generation I remember. I mean, they are going here and there. We're involved in so many things. Life is so crazy busy that if we're going to share Christ, we're probably going to have to run them down. I don't mean run them over but we're going to have to come alongside of them. We're going to have to get beside them in the street. We're going to have to say, you know what? Uh, we're do By the way, I mentioned we're doing a sports camp this summer. Man, if they're busy, they're playing sports all the time, let's run out there and play sports with them so we can share the gospel. If, if there are areas, as Brother Kent mentioned a moment ago, there are areas like hotels and and those busy highways, those busy avenues of life, we need to get in those busy places and extend the word of God, and extend the gospel of Jesus Christ. If the only time you see somebody is in your workplace or in your school, then you've got to be a witness in that setting, because in this crazy, busy world we live in, people don't slow down and, and stop long enough and ask for our instruction. So it may be a car ride, it may be a mission trip, it may be a ball game, it may be that you walk over to the neighbor's house when it seems a little bit inconvenient. We need to live with that kind of expectancy, always seeing ourselves on mission. Secondly, not only did he expect something to happen, we see this explanation. We need to explain, always be prepared with God's message. The fact that they are religious 
is not enough. We need to have a few questions to find out. Philip said, do you understand what you're reading here? We need to find out what they understand concerning the Word of God. We need to find out what they understand regarding the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we can ask folks some questions like this. In in, in your opinion, what do you think it takes for a person to go to heaven? And see how they respond. Find out what they understand. When you attend church, where do you attend? See, the, the, the flavor of the church, the denomination, that's not the big deal. The big deal is what do they understand about the Word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ? When college students come to me and they say, hey, I'm going away to college, or maybe some of these graduates, I'm going to thus and such a city and all that. Do you know a good church in that town? Uh, you know what? I don't always start off by saying, what you need to do is find you a good Baptist church. What I say is find a church where they believe the Bible is God's inerrant, infallible, authoritative word, and where the pastor preaches and teaches the Bible is true, not as myth. And so we need to find out why they, just because they have a, you know, because they say I'm Baptist, Methodist, Pentecostal, Presbyterian, we need to find out what they understand about the Word of God and the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we can ask them some, some, some questions about that, make sure they rightly comprehend the message of salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. We need to see that there's also a scarlet thread of redemption that runs through Scripture that no matter what they have found out about Scripture, it can point them to Jesus Christ. Look at verse 31. He says, how can I understand this unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come and to sit with him. And the place in the Scripture where he read was this. Now, this is one of those moments that you say, man, how convenient. This is awesome. He's reading from the prophet Isaiah. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and his lamb before his shear is silent. So he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who would declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth? By the way, this is also the same chapter that tells us that Messiah would be wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace would be upon him, and by his stripes we would be healed. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth, and we have to do that. We have to do that. St. Francis of Assisi said, Preach the gospel, use words if necessary. Words are necessary. Salvation by grace through faith in Christ comes. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we have to instruct with the Word of God. So Philip opened his mouth and began, beginning at the Scripture, this Scripture, he preached Jesus to him. Much like Jesus when he was walking on that road to Emmaus, the post-resurrected Christ is explaining to those disciples who did not recognize him at that moment. It says that he went from the law of Moses. He went from all the way through the Old Testament and he explained to them all the scriptures were pointing them to Jesus. And so now we have the completed Bible. We have Old Testament and New Testament. We can take that word and point people to salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. So we need to come alongside of people and do that. If someone has been faithful to put a word of God in their hand, the Holy Spirit is using that word, and he wants to use you as a witness to help articulate a few things in their life. Yesterday I finally had to break down and 
replaced my laptop, and I got a new little laptop that was modern. I didn't understand that, and I didn't understand how it worked, and it's got a touch screen and all these little things, and it was just a little bit too confusing to me, and it's got Windows 8 on it, and I don't know Windows 8. And so Kent had to sit down beside me and say, well, here's how this works, Dad. Some of you can't laugh because you do the same thing with your cell phone, right? You give it to your kid and say, show me how to use this. And he's like, here's how this works, and here's how you do this, and you slide this this way, and you can find this. And, he, and so he's explaining, he's, he's sitting down beside me explaining some things to me. And that's what we're to do with the Word of God, with the Gospel of Jesus Christ. We come along beside those who are reading the Scriptures, and we begin to explain to them how everything is pointing to Jesus Christ. You say, well, I'm not a teacher. Listen, all it takes to be a teacher of the Word of God is to be a student of the Word of God. If you're a student of the Word of God, the Holy Spirit of God is teaching you some things that you can share with others. And as you begin to be a student of the Word of God, as you involve yourself in a life group, that's why it's so important to be a part of a small group Bible study. That's why it's important to take notes, to learn from the messages that are being preached, to avail yourself to other resources. Listen, we're going to make available again on your way out this morning, we're also going to Make sure that everyone receives these next Saturday as we seek to be a witness up here in the park in Danielsville. Uh, we've got these True Life cards, real easy to use. Uh, we have some that have Emerge Student Ministries on them, and we've got some that have the, the Trinity logo, but they have, uh, just like a business card, have all our information. But on the back side, it's got a website, truelife.org. I met the founder a couple of years ago at truelife.org. His name's Jesse, a great guy. He's got a heart to reach people around the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he's partnering together with churches all over the place to do this by making these little cards, and he's got some of the greatest. You take like somebody asks you a question, well, I'm just not religious. Well, it's, hey, listen, it's all about a relationship. It's not about religion. There's testimonies on this website. I would love for you to go to this website and see some of these testimonies and hand them one of these cards. Or, or maybe they say, well, listen, I'm just, I don't buy all that bit about, you know, uh, God created this world. I don't understand. Listen, if you go to this website, there's a, a video you can click on. It's done by a, man, a fellow by the name of Ken Ham uh, on how God created, how all this works. So you don't have to have all the answers. Just avail yourself to some resources. And so I want to challenge every member of Trinity, if you haven't done so already, be sure to do so today. Pick up a handful of these cards on your way out this morning. And when you're speaking a word of witness, you get stumped with a question. Here's a great resource. Maybe you want to go to the website, the truelife.org website, and and look at the videos and see which ones minister and speak to you the most. But then stick these cards in somebody's hands because every one of those videos, how do we know that Christ rose from the grave? How do we know that he literally died on the cross? If there are so many other religions in the world, why do we believe Christianity in the Bible provide the only way. A lot of wonderful videos. What about this religion or that religion? deals with things like Mormonism and Jehovah's Witness. What, what are they all about? And so there are dozens and dozens and dozens of video to answer the tough questions that people will have. And so we want to equip you with that when you're leaving this morning so that you can come along beside people and help answer their questions about what the Bible says and how it points to Jesus and the gospel. And next Saturday in the park, be a part of that. 
unless you just already have plans to be out of town, I want to strongly encourage you, be in the park next Saturday because we're going to have all these booths. We're going to be set up. We're going to have a great time. I've said it again and again and again. It bothers me when everybody, when, when the only time they see the church in the public, ah, the, the church is asking them for something. We want to be out there giving them something. Yes, there's going to be free hot dogs and snow cones and popcorn and all that kind of stuff. Free games for their kids. They're, they're going to have a good time. But most importantly, we want to give them the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to put something in their hands, not just to invite them to church, but to invite them to experience salvation by grace through faith in Christ. And so we want to encourage you to be a part. It's all about pointing people to Jesus and letting them know that we love them, that we care about them, and that we're here as a church. We exist, by the way, as a church for those who aren't here. We exist for those that are out there. That's why we've got to get out there and explain being prepared with God's message. And finally, not only do we explain, but we need to establish. Always lead people down the road to maturity in Christ. Look at verse 36 in this text. Philip went further down the road with him. Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water. Philip continued on down the road with him, and this leads us to this, uh, these levels of confession, if you will, when the subject of baptism comes up. It says, the eunuch said, see, here is some water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, well, if you believe with all your heart, this eunuch had obviously experienced religion. He had gone through some rituals that had been merely ritual in the past. And Philip wanted to explain, listen, salvation is by grace through faith. And so if you believe with all your heart, you can give the outward sign of what has happened inwardly when you trusted Christ by faith. So he says, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And so he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more. He went his own way rejoicing, but Philip was found at Azotus. And passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Philip just went on doing what he was doing. Notice these levels of confession that he walked him through toward his maturity, getting him on that road to maturity. He says, first of all, and, and I will call these a vital confession, a verbal confession, and a visual confession. Vital means it's got to be a, a real heartfelt, listen, we can put the uh, words into a prayer. And I've heard people argue for and against whether or not you should have a sinner's prayer because the Bible doesn't say we're saved by prayer. It says we're saved by grace through faith in Christ. But we can articulate that faith with words. The important thing was the condition of the heart that this Ethiopian had come to a place where he could say, I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. That's where it starts. Again, we're not saved by works, and baptism is not a work that saves. We're saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. The thief on the cross was not able to experience water baptism. 
But Jesus still said to him, today you will be with me in paradise. Why was he able to say that? Because he had believed in his heart that Christ was who he claimed to be. And that's where it starts. There's got to be that vital confession, that new life, that new birth that happens on the inside where we are spiritually baptized into Christ Jesus at the moment we believe. But that which is vital will become verbal if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart God raised him from the dead. If we believe it and it's for real, we will want to share it. We'll want to confess it with our mouth. And so he asked him, do you believe? And he verbally shares it out loud. That which was vital becomes verbal. He says, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe what you're telling me about the gospel. Listen, it's possible to profess him and not really possess him. Many will say to me on that day, Jesus said, Lord, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, and I will say, depart from me. I never knew you. That which was verbal never was vital to start with. But I believe it's impossible for it to be vital and not become verbal. That if we really believe it in our heart, it's going to come out in our words, in our profession. Luke 9, verse 26, Jesus says, Whoever is ashamed of me before this generation, I'll be ashamed of them before my Father who is in heaven. In other words, if it's vital, if it's for real, if it's living inside of you, then it's going to become verbal. You're going to want to speak that confession. And then it became visual. They were there at some water. He said, what prevents me from being baptized? He says, if you believe, if it's real, if it's vital in your heart, it's become verbal. Yeah, let's just go ahead and, and, and let's follow the Lord in believer's baptism, which I believe happens to be the sign of the new covenant that it's a picture of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ. The, word, the Greek word baptizo means to submerge, uh, to be buried with, buried in the water, and then to be raised. And so the baptism, uh, sometimes I explain it to kids this way. As you walk into the water, it's a picture of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. Eugene Peterson puts it this way as he writes and expounds upon Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 5. He says, that's what baptism into the life of Jesus means. When we are lowered into the water, it is like the burial of Jesus. When we are raised up out of the water, it is like the resurrection of Jesus. Each of us is raised into a light-filled world by our Father so that we can see where we're going in our new grace-sovereign country. And so he explains to the Ethiopian eunuch, listen, it's got to be vital, it's got to be real, you've got to believe. But when the vital was there, it became verbal, and then it became visual. He followed the Lord in what we call believer's baptism. Established people on that road toward maturity. It's, it's not so much about notches in our belt and how many converts. Jesus didn't say, go into all nations and make converts. He said, go into all nations and make disciples. And so we need to walk with them down the road and see their life change. One day, we'll rejoice in the difference that we've made. A lot of graduations have taken place over the past weeks, and I've seen a lot of special moments. Perhaps one of the most special moments is one that I read about this past week. A young lady, her name is Skylar. When she was born, her biological birth mom 
left her for dead right after she was born, left her in a snow-covered cemetery in Illinois. Umbilical cord still attached, left her there to die. She was rescued. A gentleman by the name of Charlie Heflin, first responder, listening to his radio to see if there was anybody he could help out and help search for a baby and found her in the cemetery. They said in just a matter of 15 or 20 minutes, she may not have lived. But he found her, he rescued her, he got her to some help. As a matter of fact, the nurse whose arms he placed her into began to massage her toes immediately and warm her and save her from frostbite. And for 18 years, Charlie Heflin didn't see this girl again. Didn't follow her, didn't know much about what had become of her, but that nurse and her husband adopted Schuyler. Gave her the name Schuyler. Schuyler James. And uh, last week, she graduated from high school. And uh, for her graduation party, don't you love graduation parties? For her graduation party, mom had gone and, and gotten you know, involved in Facebook and all the other social mediums, and, and, and she found the one who had rescued her. She found Charlie Heflin and surprised her daughter and said, oh, by the way, at her graduation party, by the way, I want you to meet, you've heard the story, I want you to meet the man who rescued you from that snowy, dark cemetery. And Skylar responded, she said, all I could do was give him a hug. All I could do was hug him. And as I hear that story, and I see this passage, I realize we can be frustrated that we live in a cold, dark world of spiritual death. But if we get out there to make a difference, if, we, if we've got our radios on, if we're listening to the voice of God and we're looking at the condition of the people, God will use you and me to rescue people spiritually, just like Skylar was rescued physically, to pull them out of the spiritual darkness and the dampness of this world. And one day, it may be in this life, it may be in eternity, that I believe they'll say, all I could do was come up and give you a hug because you're the one who rescued me. Now, we know, we know that it's obviously Jesus who saves us and draws us to himself. But he has sovereignly chosen to use you and me to be the one finding people in that condition and lifting them up and sharing them with Jesus and putting them into hands, putting them in a church, putting them in a life group, putting them around believers who can massage them and bring them to the place spiritually that they can mature in Christ. Until one day we all reach that spiritual graduation day and stand before him. Would you bow your heads with me?